All right, Matthew in chapter 5. We are on the last floor of our house before we build the roof, or roof, however you say it. Roof, 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 I don't know, but... All right, Matthew chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1, in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This is our text for this morning. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for us to sing out and remember the goodness of who you are and, Lord, who you are to us daily, how you work in us and, Lord, work around us. Often when we can't even see you, you're... You are our friend. Lord, I would ask this morning, Lord, that you would help our hearts and our minds, Lord, to seek your working in our lives. And we'll thank you for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I got to admit, we get to this thought of pure in heart, and I have to think that almost all believers think, ah, that's talking about somebody else. <laughs> and I, I, I did, I kind of looked at the word pure in heart, and, you know, because, especially because we're talking about believers here, and I had kept looking at this back and forth, and, you know, and I'm thinking, this must be, you know, some innocent somewhere, you know. And so there's different ways we can look at the idea of pure in heart, Okay. And the first one is a kind of the obvious one as a believer. It's one that we know is true, but we always can't see, is that it's in reference to a heart being purified by salvation, being washed in the blood of Christ. And that would be one way to look at it, okay? Which would then apply, if we, if we took it to this verse, it would apply to all believers, okay? The second way to look at pure in heart is in reference to how we are thinking and feeling and being on the inside, okay? So, and we tend to think of that as being without spot, without sinful thoughts, and, you know, completely washed through and through inside in our, in our daily practical lives. The problem is, we all know as believers that we still deal with trash in the corner, and sometimes the elephant in the room, <laughs> Now, I want to tell you what I, what I believe this to be, okay? And I think I've got some very good 
grounds for this is this. Well, let me tell you first what it might not, what what I don't think it can be. I don't think it can be just a reference to salvation. Because the Bible says, or in this passage we're talking about, remember, building a house. We're talking about building a life. Okay? So, and all believers already have purity of heart in reference to salvation. Uh, we, as, as far as God sees us, when God looks at our heart, he sees us through the blood of Christ. We are already fit for heaven. We are already citizens of the kingdom of God. Um, and so that's that part where Paul says, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended. Okay, so in my mind, I don't think it can't, ref- it can't be just referencing just salvation as purity because we all have it. And if we all have it, then how are you building a life against the storms of life if you already have something? You know, the idea is that we're having to add to it. So, so I, it's got to be something a little bit more practical that we can put together in our lives right now, okay? The ultimate goal, again, is to have peace in the storms of life. So, as we know, we will never actually remove all the wicked bents of our heart, right? They're going to be with us. That doesn't mean that we can't grow. It doesn't mean that God isn't working in us and working against those things as we should be working in our hearts, seeking for growth. Um, God is giving us a new inside, okay? And the Bible even indicates. Matter of fact, there's even the word purity of heart. I mean, the purity in our hearts. The Bible indicates that this is... Portions of purity in our heart is something achievable by a believer, not a perfectly pure inside, like from our viewpoint, okay? But it's something that we can achieve in pieces. So if, if that be the truth, we'll look at our context. If we're building a life, and it can't be talking about salvation because we're already saved, then we have to look at it and say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It must be, it must be a little bit of both one and two, both that we are clean, and we are being made clean. Okay? The idea is, is that, like Paul said, I follow after that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended. So again, it's that recognition of God says I have, and forgive me for altering the language a little bit, I don't think I'm doing a disservice here, but if we were to use Paul's language and say, God says I have purity of heart, and now I'm seeking that purity of heart, so that I may have the pure of heart that God says I have. Okay, that's Philippians chapter 3. So God says I'm being made clean. Plus we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us that, that provides those times or moments. By the way, if you ever think that you are attaining purity of heart, you're not attaining purity of heart. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It's something you look back on and say, wow, where did that come from? You better recognize that only came from God. That was the Holy Spirit and complete the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, so that and the power of the Holy Spirit in us does provide for moments or times where in the middle of the moment, or maybe after the moment, there's a realization of, thank the Lord, <laughs> this is not me. This is God himself. So let, let, me, let, me, let me propose it to you in three, three points, okay? And I know three points, that seems to be a preacher's thing, but from, I just read recently, I was reminded that the reason we keep it to three points is most of us can't remember much more than three. <laughs> Pure in heart. Pure in heart. So if we take Paul's idea of, I want to be what Jesus says I am, to me that, that starts right off with proper motives. It's proper motives, okay? The desire, 
Listen, the desire, and it follows right after hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's the desire for the attitudes and my attitudes and my actions from the first and second floor, attitudes and actions, to be properly motivated. We want them to be something that when we get done with it, I didn't do all that so I'd, get, I'd feel better about myself. Or I would get glory or that you know, my wife would think I'm a better person or my kids would think I'm a better person. No, the proper motivation that God would get the glory, which is the ultimate motivation for all believers, that God would get the glory. That's, that, that literally is the ultimate motivation for all of God's created beings that we would give him glory. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for, for you serve the Lord Christ. Now, it's interesting. Now, I want you to think about this, because notice how we're building the house. We had, we had the, the foundation of humility and the understanding of salvation, and then we had um, attitudes and then actions, and then now we're talking about motivations. Now, that's backwards from how humans want it. I'm just telling you, it's very backwards from how humans want it. Because we always track back motivations, don't we? We see people's actions and then we start gauging what their motivations were. Now, why did they do that? Because humans always see motivation first. As a matter of fact, typically we live motivation first. Come on. I got to lose weight. Well, I'm just not motivated enough. And that, that's what we say. Well, you know, I'm just not motivated. So it's the motivations are, are not providing what I need for the... Which is not always true because very few people are actually motivated to go to work, but they get up and go to work anyway. I want to think about it. Very few people are like, really? I just really want to mow the lawn today. Yeah, that was like your first yard, the first three weeks. <clears throat> Now, granted, I'm not saying, I got a friend who's like totally motivated by his yard. His yard is his motivation. But I guarantee you there's a lot of other stuff. When I get up at 5.30 every morning to go work out, and 4.30 sometimes, it wasn't because I was just, you know, I had this vision of Mr. Buff, you know. No, I just, if I wasn't there, Chris would be mad at me because he'd be there waiting on me. <laughs> or Roy, whoever it was I was working with at the time, or Walt, okay. L- listen, listen to the words of, Colossians 3. And whatsoever you do, that's present tense. You're doing something. Are you you hearing me? Whatsoever you do, you're doing something. Do it heartily. It didn't say whatsoever you're going to do, plan on doing it heartily. It says, what are you doing? Do it heartily to the Lord. it's, It's assuming action. It's assuming action that's already here. We we always want there to be motivation first. And here's God saying, see, here's the deal. There's this life out there that I have for you. Okay? Everybody agree with that? That God has this life out there for you? Does everyone also agree that you have really no clue what that life probably is? Apart from a few general revelations from Scripture? Seriously. Ask yourself, if I could go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years and talk to the person I was then and say, you're going to experience this, 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 and this. 
Huh? <laughs> no. What God wants is either paddles going or a motor running, and then he takes the rudder. We want him to give, we, he wants us to give him the rudder. You, you understand that? That moving, can't, steering can't happen unless there is movement. And here's the Lord saying, us humans, we, we always want motivation at the bottom. And here's God saying, no, get busy first. Get busy first. And while you're getting busy, let's start working on those motivations. Amen. I, that's, I'm just telling you, that's foreign to me. But look at the layers. What are, what are the layers? Foundation, salvation. Okay, now we're going to work on attitudes and actions. Okay, now that we got attitudes and actions moving, now we're going to talk about motivation. That don't make sense to me, but it makes sense to God. It makes sense to God. We, he does things differently. He says, while you're moving, while you're going, ask God to help your motivations be pure and seek to have your motivations be pure. So, I mean, that proper motivation seems like one of them. That's one of those things when I look at pure in heart, it seems to have proper motivations. Whatever you're doing... Whatever you're doing, are you doing? It's kind of hard to say I'm going to give glory to my actions and there's no actions taking place. Whatever you're doing, we're doing, doing I tell you, you can start right now. You have, you have started an action. And I'll guarantee you, you all didn't wake up this morning going, some of you did, we get to go to church today. No, it's, are you ready yet? Honk, honk, would you get in the car? They threw up again? Oh, this was the third change of clothes this morning. Oh, there would be a train. You know what I'm saying? You were just so rigged. No, but what do you do when you walk in those back doors? Lord, please. If anything's going to happen today, you're going to have to help me. You know, you can do that right now. You have actions that you've already been doing because you know they are proper actions. They belong in the believer's life. Well, now, while you're sitting there, how about we say, God, this is me here. I sure hope you can get glory for my being here today. You can do that. And guess what? It don't matter how old you are, how long you've been saved. You can right now, but by the time you walk out that door, ask God to make the actions that you're doing right now pure and motivated. Lord, help me be here. I want to be here. I want to listen. I want to hear. Amen. Pure in heart, proper motives. But it's not just proper motives. I believe it's also a proper mindset. I think you all would agree with the Bible when it says, Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Make sure... The result of your, the desired result of your actions, even sitting here in this room today, are not about you feeling good about yourself. Or are you walking out the door feeling like, I had a good time in church today? No, did God get glory today? Listen, even Jesus, when he came to this earth as God, made himself, Hebrews says, a little lower than the angels, and beyond that made himself a servant, a servant of men. So here's, here's Jesus, the God of all creation, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. He submits himself to his own creation, and not just to his own creation, but to the curse 
of their creation. You hear that? He submits himself to the curse, the death of their creation. They're the one that accepted it and brought it into the world. He submits himself to death. Why? Because he came to serve. Why? Because that's what God sent him to do and he wants God to get the glory. Not about me. The actions that I'm doing aren't about me. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times you've been work, you, you get, get out of break and you're in a break in the work and then somebody says, come on, let's go. Yep, got to get at it. And you're, as guys, especially, your mind's focused on the job, finish the job. Got to finish the job. You can't leave a job half finished. At least, you know, this is my part of the job. I want to make sure I get this part done and we focus on the job and we want to complete that part of the job. Why? Because we want to walk away feeling like we didn't leave something unfinished. You hear me? It's about us. And here's Jesus saying, no, it's never been about you. Peer in heart implies that you need to have a proper mindset. What does that mean? You humble yourself so that your feelings are not what's important here, but his feelings are what's important here. I yield, like, like Christ, I yield my actions to his will and his glory. Amen. Peer in heart. Proper motives. A proper mindset. And thirdly, it needs to have some proper principles. Well, how do we know? How are we going to know that God gets the glory in what we're doing? Okay? Well, we know most of the time because God shows us in his word. We should be guided in our actions and attitude by principles. And sometimes that means in the middle of our attitude and action, there needs to be a biblical principle going, oh, okay. We need to change the direction a little bit. Well, what verse do you have for that? I quoted it this morning again. God hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. God hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has. Where? The, whole, the context of that passage is through the great and precious promises. Right here. We have these things. We look at it. We generally should be guided by the words, principles, and precepts of the word of God. So let me ask you a question, and I used this illustration this morning, so also in Sunday school, but remember the story in Proverbs about the simple man, and the Bible says he's walking the way to her corner, or near her corner, and he is, the whole idea of that little passage is he's flirting with where the strange woman is at. He's not where he's supposed to be, he's kind of wandering over where she's at, maybe, you know, oh man. You know, I'm just doing an internet search. It's just an innocent internet search. Yeah, but it kind of runs along the lines where some stuff might show up and I might happen to see something. I mean, I wasn't really looking for it. I was just kind of in the neighborhood. Is, you think God's going to get the glory from those actions? No, the simple man, you know what he could be doing? While he's walking the way to her corner, he could be guided by a principle. This isn't where wisdom is. Yeah, this is foolish. Why am I here? You know what? I need to get on some different streets. <laughs> it's awful hard to get the, for God to get the glory if you're in the middle of robbing the bank and say, God, please get the glory from robbing the bank. Wait. How's that work again? There does need to be some biblical principles that guide us. Now, does everyone here know all the biblical principles there are to know? No. 
we do trust the Holy Spirit on some of those things, but what you do know, you are responsible for. Thank the Lord. I'm just, I'll be very thankful that God does not function like government. Do you understand that a policeman can give you a ticket for something that you did not know was illegal? Because it doesn't matter that you didn't know. You're a citizen. You should have known. You're getting a ticket. God doesn't do that. Thank the Lord. Now, we still have to pay some consequences often, but it's amazing even at that how merciful God is in us that he doesn't make us face all the consequences that we really should be facing. And instead, he gives grace and mercy and guides us and directs us and sometimes sometimes through the power of the Holy Spirit just says, you should not be here. Well, why is that? There ain't nothing wrong with this. The Holy Spirit's over there going, well, you haven't discovered the biblical principle yet, but you should not be here. <laughs> What's wrong with this? Holy Spirit, you should not be You should not be here. I don't see anything wrong with this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever had one of those moments when you listened to that voice and then found out, thank the Lord, thank you, Lord. I had no idea. I wish. <laughs> my wife and I, my wife and I talk about a couple of events in our ministry where we had no idea. We were just trying to do. I don't know. This this seems like what God wants. And then a few months down the road, oh wow. We glad we were paying attention on that one. I mean, to the Lord, to the Lord. Biblical principles, listen, what, what biblical principles do is they guide us generally so that we don't drift into areas that instead of helping us apprehend, they resist us from apprehending. Amen. I think I mentioned already, you know, hard to rob a bank and then in the middle of robbing the bank, ask God to, give you, to get glory from you robbing the bank. Oh, he will, but not what you're thinking. You're going to go to jail, buddy. <laughs> Or you're going to pay for it in heaven. But not the way you're thinking. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. The word of God, listen, is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Don't, Don't just quote it, listen to it. Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does that mean? You stick in this book and start finding biblical principles, you're going to find that this Bible is going to look inside of you and it's going to reveal to you some of your own stinking thinking. It's going to get in there and say, "Uh uh-uh, buddy, this is part of what you think you want and here's what the truth is. That's what the Bible will do. The Bible, I'm telling you, there, there are times the Bible will flat smack you in the face. If you're reading it right, you'll be reading along. Oh, it cracks me up as it can, you know, you can read, I don't know how many times I've read through my Bible, and all of a sudden you read a verse, and it's like the third hand went up and whack. I've never seen that before. I've read that verse, I don't even know how many times. What in the world? Well, I guess the Lord said, it's about time for you to see this principle, bud. Ding. Holy Spirit says, oh yeah, now we're going to talk about this. Yeah, listen, the Word of God is powerful. If you do not have the Word of God, and you're a believer, you don't have the word of God in your life as a believer, you are literally robbing yourself. You're thieving from yourself. All the things that God could use to work in you. We need scripture, absolutely. We need scripture moving in our, wherewithal shall young young man cleanse his way. 
by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's, it's there. I, listen, despite what you think, we do not tend to holiness. Come on. We don't tend to holiness. This flesh does not tend to holiness. So get up in the morning. You can, you can you know, get up in the morning and, and read your Bible, or you can get up in the morning and uh, check, out, check the latest things on Facebook or the weather or the news. What, what, what does the flesh want to do automatically? Come on. We don't tend to holiness. We don't just wake up and say, ding, see my halo, see my wings? I want to be good to everybody today. Leave me alone, I haven't had my coffee yet. Don't talk to pastor until he's had a second cup of coffee. That's a cute saying. Why? It's a recognition of our humanity. Listen, we, don't, we, do, we do not tend to holiness. It's Christ in us that pushes us that way. It's the Holy Spirit in us that pushes that way. And Scripture is the tool by which the Holy Spirit begins working those changes in our hearts and lives. It is the tool by which He does that. And again, without Scripture, we literally rob the Holy Spirit of the tools He needs and uses the most to actively work in our life. Amen. Amen. What stops you from committing murder? Well, it's wrong. No, thou shalt not kill the voice of God. If, if, if it's society that stops you from murder, you've got the wrong motivation. Adjust your, adjust your motivation to biblical principles. The Bible says that God said, thou shalt not kill. Oh, and the Bible is the words of God. Amen. So, and consider this. Again, I just want, I want to think of this through. It's totally opposite to how we think. Obedience seems to be prior to motivation, which messes me up. Ugh. You know, try to get my kids to be convinced to take out the trash. No, it's their job to take out the trash. They have no idea why it's important to take out the trash. And listen, with little kids, you can explain it 500 times. It's not important that they understand the motivation. It's important that they obey. One day, motivation and obedience will go, oh, they're going to visit a friend's house where they never even heard of the trash truck. Come on. They're going to visit some friend's house and they're going to go into their room and go, how old is that peanut butter sandwich? I think it's looking at me. And they're going to go, that's why we take out the trash. And then they're going to go home and go, I'm taking out the trash. Hey, Mom, <laughs> any more trash? <laughs> Hoping there's nothing under my bed. Listen, listen. 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the end of the commandment, listen, the end of the commandment. That's interesting. What can the end mean? It can mean all sorts of stuff. It can mean like the finish of a thing. You know, like we're done. But it can also mean a goal. The end justifies, ends justify the means. You know, well, we are going to work to this end. Well, that's what this is right here. The, the goal of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. What? <laughs> this is a New Testament word verse, by the way. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and, a, and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. What is he saying? There's action before motivation. Again, huh? how does God steer a boat that's not moving? There has to be a doing before there can be a being. This is what we want God to do. 
You know, he's given us all this armor, you know, this great armor, and here we are, we're all decked out. And it's like we want God somehow to, you know, take charge of our arm. Wow, what's going on? Oh, what? That's what we want God to do. And here's what God's saying. No, I've given you armor so you can go fight. While you're fighting, why don't you ask God to help you with the motivation? Asking that he gets the glory. Amen. You understand, this is where people get so confused with this idea of grace and all these things. Listen, you know what? You want God's grace and God's movement? Do what you know to do, and in the process of doing that, ask God to make everything right that you're doing wrong. Amen. That's good motivation. Motiv- just sitting there waiting for God to do something. You know what you're going to do? You're going to drive yourself nuts, and I'm not kidding. I've tried it. I literally preached this whole realm for a while. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to wait on motivation. Have one to the Lord. I don't feel motivated. Guilty every once in a while. Talk to somebody. Listen, the Lord does sometimes impress on people. To I specifically remember moments where I, I was going about my normal business, and all of a sudden God said, no, you need to spend some time talking to that person and wouldn't leave me alone about it. That happens. You know what God normally wants? Go out and do it. And ask the Lord while you're out there, Lord, if you can use me. I don't know how you can, but God, please. Lord, I'm not very good with this sword, but I'm going to take a shot at it. Please, Lord, can you do something I can't? You got it. You're beginning to connect the dots. Lord, I don't know how to be a good dad, but I want to try. It says I should try this. Lord, I'm going to try it, but I'm not. Lord, please help me be a good dad. You hear that? It's not, well, I'm waiting on motivation on being a good dad. You're going to get a, you're going to get a motivation about 18 years too late. We want God to make us be better first before we do better. And here's God saying, how about you start doing, and in the process of your doing, I'll be doing lots of being I'm take care of a lot of that being in the background. Amen. I mean, this is one of the purest desires of a believer. Listen again, Colossians 3. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. How much does the Bible say about slothfulness? Lack of productivity. There has to be a doing, and then asking God to help with the being. Amen. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Notice again, it's the word do, and then he takes care of the motivations. Let's look back at this house now a little bit. So we're talking about pure in heart, pure in heart, having pure in heart. So my motivation is that God get the glory. That's, that's, and that is the purest motive that any Christian can have, by the way. The most pure motive that any believer can have is that God would get the glory from his actions. So if that's ever going to happen, first there has to be a proper view of self, the foundation, humility. There has to be a proper view of sin, mourning. There has to be a proper view of the Savior, meekness, me under his control. There has to be a, be a proper view of sin and sinners, mercy. There has to be a proper view of actions. I want righteousness. I, I hunger and thirst after righteousness. These, these people that have built on this and then on top of that say, God, please help these things that I'm doing. God, please take these things I'm doing. You're going to have to do something with them. Listen, you know, I don't have a choice you, you, and forgive me, sometimes, you know, the old preacher flesh, you all, sometimes feels like you all get, like, freedom of choice. If you don't want to go to church, you don't, get, you don't have to go to church. I don't have that option. And you say, well, yeah, but that's what we're paying you to do. It don't matter if you are paying me to do it. I still don't have that option. 
If I was doing this for no pay, I don't have an option. This is this is where I have to be. You know, I don't know if you know it or not, but it's not, it's not like preachers are like in perfect communion with God three times a week. It, no, there's times we get in the pulpit and we're going, God, if you don't use me, why am I here? Anybody been there? You know what it says about these? That instead of trying to wait for the do, the motivation before they do, but they're doing it on top of that, they're, Lord, please help. You know, says, you know what it says about these? What does it say in their verse? That verse. It says one of the most amazing things ever. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... What? Come on, say it out loud. They'll see God. Well, you understand this isn't talking about another Oral Roberts 900-foot Jesus after bad sausage. It's not talking about a literal viewing of God. We don't want to get to see that again until the presence of the Almighty in heaven. Amen? Until we get to be with Him. And the wording here, I'll just, I'll just tell you, the wording here is, not, not, is also not talking about our future in heaven. Very interesting. It doesn't say be with God. It doesn't say be in the presence of God. And the word they shall see God, it is, the idea is, is that, that God will just kind of let a little peek of himself out to them. Like Moses, and he just got to see the backside of, of God, because when he's hidden in the cleft of the rock. The wording in the original language here, and, and it would work the same way in, in our own English language, it works the same, is not talking about They'll just get, oh, they're in the presence of heaven. No, it's talking about, they'll get, they'll get these little glimpses where God will say, here I am. That literally means the words is that there'll, there'll be this, these revelations. And the word, the idea of being, a, of an exposure, just click. They'll get to see it. <clears throat> Think about Psalm 24. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, and hath not lifted up a soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Interesting, that also has that same idea of obedience first and then action. You know the disciples missed it? Did you know the disciples missed the same thing? You remember when Jesus and Philip and Thomas were having that conversation, and they're going back and forth, and Thomas like, wow, that would be awesome. And finally Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Philip says, how long has he been with Jesus at this point? I believe the whole of Jesus' ministry, like three and a half years, and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and Jesus looks at him and says, Philip, <laughs> have I been with you so long and you've not seen the truth? You, you realize we Christians and hum, excuse me, humans don't tend to see God. Oh, I can't believe you'd say that. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. How many times have you been on your knees going, God, just something? That's what I challenge you. At the end of every day for the next week, at the end of every day, spend, spend at least 10 minutes and write down everything that you're thankful for that happened in the day. At least 10 minutes. And what you're going to find is at the end of a week, you're going to look back over a week's worth of, wow, I can't believe God did that much. And it's not like God did more that week than, a week he did, than he did the week before. Oh, than he's going to do tomorrow, the next week. It's that 
you actually paid attention because we do not tend to see God. Why do you think we need poems like Footprints in the Sand? Because we tend to see us. We just, man is more likely to miss the presence of God than to see it. Why do you think God describes often himself as a still, small voice? We tend to miss the presence of God instead of actually see him. You can't tell me, you can't tell me that you aren't just like this, that you, man, just, just a glimpse, even maybe in somebody else's life, just something to see God moving. Come on. Listen to this verse. This is Jesus in John 14. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, he's not talking about keeping the law. He's talking about Jesus as he has described all of this the whole time. Just what... Paul is describing here in this passage, or Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus in this passage here in the Beatitudes describing this this life building. Amen. A life building that starts with humility before God, mourning for my sin, placing my, my strength under his control, recognizing he is the only one that has the strength. And then actions, mercy, mercy upon others. If he's going to have mercy, he'll be able to show mercy. And a desire for righteousness. And then on top of that land, God, please, because we know how screwed up we are. We know how often. There are times doing this. There are times doing preaching the same message or doing the same work. Or if you're out door knocking, one step you're out there going feeling really good about yourself. And the next step you're going, no, that's the wrong motivation. Lord, please, you get the glory. Man, you know, looking down, so I'm being so proud of myself. I got my kids out here doing this. No, Lord, you've got to get the glory for this. I can't be proud of me. It's got to be you. Why? That's because that's how humans work. Lord, please. These are the people God says, you put, you put proper motivation on top of that, you're going to get glimpses of God in your life. There's going to be moments you're going to turn around and go, oh, Wow. That's why Jesus uses, the, the whole, in Matthew chapter 11, he uses the picture of the yoke. Again, it's, a, it's an instrument of work. The yoke is not a rest illustration. It's a work illustration. But he says, get in the yoke with me. Yes, I get in the yoke, yeah, I'm going to get in your yoke. He's not waiting for me to be worthy of the yoke. He tells me to get in the yoke. <laughs> get in the yoke. Okay, get in the yoke and learn of me. You know what the idea is, is that I can learn with God, and while I'm screwed up, and we are, and there's oftentimes my heart and my desire goes the wrong way, but I want it to go right, and I try to get it back on, and it goes off, and I get it back on, and it goes off. But if I'm in the yoke with the Lord, and I'm trying to do proper motivation, there's times we'll get, we'll get to the end of the row and look back on the row and go, how in the world did my life ever produce a row that straight? Can turn out something like this. Somebody come down here, and they got saved, and they said, well, I got saved because... Uh, literally, and this stuff has happened, you may not know it, but uh, there, was this, there was this one lady, she never said any word, but whenever I'd come here, she's always in the same spot, and she's always had a look of attention on her face, and, that's, she, and I'm telling you, I've heard that testimony. That lady never said one word to that person, but that person got saved because of the, the faithfulness and presence of that lady. That lady just walking in and saying, Lord, I don't know what you can get the glory from this. I'm just an old lady, and there's not a lot I can do, but I hope you can get the glory. And some person come down, I've, I've heard that testimony. 
Some person not even realizing their effect on this person. You hear? You hear what I'm saying? It's as if God, that the idea of this whole peek and open to God is, is the idea is, it's like God showing himself to his friends, like, like showing off a new car to his friends. And every believer has this opportunity. It's not limited like special believers. No, all believers can have it. And you can have it today. Where's the, how are you building the house? How are you coming on the house? I'm going to ask you two questions. Don't want you to raise your hand. Don't just keep it in your own heart. Have you seen God? Not, not real, not in a vision, not in a dream. Have, have, you, have you in your life been able to look back and say, wow, that had to be God? Have you seen that? Okay, listen, have you seen it? The next question is, if not, are you a believer? Are you really a believer? Because this house building thing is something that God's already working on. He's promised that. You can help or hinder it, but he's building on it. And there should be moments in there where some of that happens. Maybe it's been a long time. How are you building your house? I don't know about you, but... <laughs> I've heard other people talk about when they see Jesus, and there's times I've got to see him look back and say, wow, I want, to have, I, want to ha- I want it to happen all the time. I really do. I get in the way of myself, tripping over myself half the time. I'm, every believer does. It's not like I'm special. All believers want it. And God wants to reveal himself, and here's God saying, here's God saying, well, here, here's how to build the house. Because you know when we see God most often? And when we recognize him, or when he does the biggest stuff, I'm just thinking about the disciples on the stormy sea, and along comes Jesus, and what happened? They didn't know who he was. Hello? (laughs) Not until they recognized him, and then you think about the one story, Peter, until Peter literally recognized him as God, treated him as God, and acted as if he was God, and then God had some amazing things to happen. I thank the Lord. He doesn't always wait for us to figure that out. The mercy and grace of God. Hallelujah. But we're talking about a house that can get in the middle of the worst storms and times and trials of life. And the storm doesn't stop. The trial doesn't stop. The hardship of it doesn't go away. The pain of it, listen, the pain of it doesn't go away. But my peace in the middle of it and my ability to walk out the other side in the strength of the Lord <laughs> and not have my life flattened is when God says, you know, start with humility. Good place to start. Let's just read it again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They belong in heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Why would you be mourning as a believer? Still mourning over your sin, wanting to be better. They shall be comforted. The Holy Spirit will be with them. Blessed are the meek, our power under his control. 
They shall see, they shall inherit the earth. They shall see the gifts of God. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They want righteousness in their life. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, those who will show mercy, even which means to those who don't deserve it. For they shall obtain mercy, and then blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Now, I'm telling you, you need to come next week. Because next week, we're going to put the roof on, and you're going to begin to see the life that this builds, and Jesus builds it out. He shows the results of it in, in this passage and in the process. I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing that a believer can build a life that can withstand some of, the wor- some of all of the worst events that they have experienced or will experience and can walk out the other side in peace and the joy of Christ instead of bitterness and, and leftover pain and anguish and constantly being brought back to something that happened long ago. Amen. But on, our, in, on the way, pure in heart is the third floor. We want God to change our motives before we act. And here's God saying, act. And while you're acting, ask God to help you change your motives. Amen. Seek that your motives would become right. How's, how's your house? I'm gonna, I'll just leave you this illustration and then we'll, we'll be done. Uh, much like, well... What's the best way to learn how to drive? What's that? To, to do it. To drive. I trained, my, my wife started and then we decided it was better for me to train all my kids to drive. <laughs> the, the little bar on the side got a lot, le- a lot less usage, but anyways... <laughs> The only way for them to learn how to drive was to drive. And while they're driving, me to say, no, you can't do that. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> okay. Nope, you need, need, you need to move over this way. And all my kids went through a period where you're going, I know they have a license, but uh, do I really want them to have the keys? This one still has yet to learn, and she's not really interested, which is going to make a lot more fun on me. But anyways, my oldest two, I'd get in the car with them now anytime. Don't have a problem with it. I like to drive. Anybody here like to drive? I lo- give me a curvy road and a, and a manual. I'd be all about it, man. That'd be that'd be a blast. But it didn't start off that way. Started off with no, yes, stop, change. That's wrong. Don't do that ever again. Are you trying to kill us? You know what we want in our Christian life is somehow we want God to give us all the driving lessons and all the ability, and the, okay, now I'll go live the Christian life. And here's God saying, no, you've already got the keys. The engine's the Holy Spirit. Go. Go. Get in the seat. 
And while you're in the seat, listen to the directions. And ask God, God, please. You're going to walk out that door, and you have a choice to make. I can walk out and say, well, glad that's over. Or you can walk out and say, huh, wonder how God can get the glory with my afternoon. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you've got to be busy all afternoon. That's, that's flesh saying, oh, I've got to do the right thing all afternoon. I wonder what it is. No, it's, I wonder what God wants me to do. Have I spent time with my family? Do I need to prepare? Do you fall asleep in the evening service? Take a stinking nap! Well, I got this and this and this I have to do. Okay, go do it. What do I do? Go do it. Go do what you got to do and then say, Lord, please. Lord, I don't know how you're going to get the glory in this, but please, would you show me? Or would you, even if I don't get to see it, would you get the glory from this? Amen. I'm going to go do it. That's submission. You know what's not submission? Well, I'm not doing that until you motivate me, God. Amen. Father.